Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Nilai, you made us promises about bananas. Are you here to deliver? I made significant promises about bananas and my fellow Americans. I'm here to say that my administration has delivered. <laughs> this is your white whale. <laughs> this is the only story I've ever wanted to do. Uh, and after we're done talking about it, I'm going to leave. I'm done. Uh, I'm going to start a cafe, which has always been a lifelong dream. <laughs> but it. No, a couple weeks ago, I asked Vergecast listeners on this show that if they had actually experienced the real world benefits of 5G to send us a note. Because the carriers themselves have not experienced the real world money that they thought they would make from 5G. Tons of people sent me a video of a banana in a Da Vinci robot, which is a robot surgery tool. And the banana is getting a raisin pulled out of it. And then the banana is getting stitched back up. This video was like very popular. I think I sent it to you. <laughs> like it's just around. It's just a me. It's been around. It's been floating around for like a couple of years, apparently, with this text on it that says the surgeon was in London and the banana was in California. And this proves 5G. Well, there's like no provenance for the video, or at least like the version I saw. It was just like, here's a banana. It's 5G. <laughs> and I was like, who are you, random TikTok man? Where did this video come from? Well, and just just to be the one who says this out loud, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's I think one really good reason to not check on this is that is who cares? But but this is why the Verge exists because we do. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> this is my calling. It's this in a cafe. <laughs> so I, there are versions of this video on X that have like 15 million views, and once that happens, people just were posting it, and posting it, and posting it. So I promised Vergecast listeners that I would blow this story open. And I'm here to tell you that I did. And I, if you are on the Pulitzer Committee, I'm available in person. I will come <laughs> to you. But I talked to the surgeon who operated on the banana. His name is Dr. Kai Zrona. He's located in Southern California. Let's listen to Kai's. I did surgery on this banana, but it wasn't over 5G. There it is. <laughs> done and done. We don't. Do you need any more? How did you find this person? So... People are lazy. Like the whole story of this is media and the internet is super lazy and in search of views. So if you just start clicking and looking at variations of the video, they all have like fake credits. And so I just started chasing all, all the credits. And one of them was Dr. Rona's Instagram handle, but it wasn't linked. It was on Twitter. It's just plain text, which is an incredible piece of evidence, right? It's like this thing has been booted and pirated and copied so many times that the credit has been survived, but it actually hasn't translated between platforms. It jumped platforms. Yeah. 
So I had to take the credit from X and then go search all the other platforms. And you find Dr. Kaiserona. And on his Instagram page, there's this video. And he's in the comments of the video replying to people who are like, what an amazing demonstration of 5G technology. And he's like, <laughs> this wasn't, a, I don't know where this came from. I don't know where this idea came from. So I sent him a message on Instagram. I wrote him an email. I called his office like very politely, like over several times over the course of a few days. It got to the point where the woman who answered the phone, I was like, hey, it's Neil I. Patel. And she literally, I heard her turn to the person next to her and say, it's about the banana video again. <laughs> so is is this because lots of people call about the banana video or because you had become so relentless about it's the banana video? I had, <laughs> good reporting is about persistence. It is because uh -huh. I had called them so many times about the banana video. Is is Dr. Rona like a well-known fruit surgeon? Like what? Who no, so I, I finally, he called me. He was, I, I believe, at the airport. He was on his way to Italy on vacation. Fruit surgery pays well yeah. from, from what I hear. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's lucrative. But he's, he called me. He had some time. And he was just cracking up. When I first saw that, I saw someone post my video and say to some surgeon in New York performing, performing an operation on some, someone in London. And I was like, wait, what is this? <laughs> so I commented. I was like, this is not true. You know, this is my video. So, it's, so yeah, it's false. I was, it was done in Los Angeles. I mean, uh, the procedure was done in the, uh, Los Angeles. The banana was in Los Angeles. So. <laughs> the banana was in <laughs> Los Angeles. I'm just telling you right now, I blew this story wide open. Call Dr. Pulitzer right now. Get him on the phone. The banana was in Los Angeles, sir. So this just keeps happening to him. So we post the story. The story, you know, itself has now has a life of its own. A lot of people in our comments are like, I can't believe they did surgery in a banana over 5G just to troll me, which is great. <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make with this is, one, we were primed to believe lies about 5G by the 5G hype industrial complex, right? All of the carriers around the world insisted that 5G was a race, really all that we've gotten out of it is higher network capacity in crowded areas. Like that is more or less the shape of the 5G experience for most people. We got one more thing. We got misinformation about fruit surgery. Well, no, so that because of all these promises, someone who knows who was able to take this pretty familiar video of a DaVinci robot doing its thing. Another video of the robot doing surgery on a grape went viral all by itself with no... 5G claims. No 5G. Right. So they just took a banana video, they changed it a little bit to make it different than the grape, and then that went viral on its own. And it, it, I'm telling you, that's because we were primed to believe these lies about 5G. The second piece is that no one asked. Even the video that I found that had the credit on it, like all you had to do is chase that credit from X to Instagram and find the surgeon saying, no, this wasn't over 5G. No one did that work. We haven't fixed that problem at all. Right? And this is nothing. The stakes of the banana getting the surgery over 5G are zero. But just think about how much other information like this that we are constantly exposed to that no one is checking. And next time, just ask yourself, anytime you encounter something on the internet, just ask, is the banana in Los Angeles? Yeah. The banana is usually in Los Angeles. The banana is usually in Los Angeles. I'm like turning into like a banana specialist, you know, it's like my friends make fun of me because they're like, oh, you just operate on fruit all day. That's all you do. I'm like, oh, man, that was just during COVID. Dr. Rona was great. He was a great sport about it. So thank you to Dr. Kais Rona for engaging in this silly story about the banana, especially for calling me on vacation. That was very nice of him. He said smart dimensions weight loss in Southern California. If you're in the market for robot surgery, uh, you know, if the banana survived. This is my contribution to VergeCast this week. I'm out of here. David, take it away.
Welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of Techtember and Techtober and Techvember and Techcember and all of the other months to come. It's about to get wild in the tech world, y'all, and we're going to be here for all of it. Alex Kranz is still here. Hi, Alex. Hi. What about to lie? To lie? No. If we have to lie, we're never going to make it to Techtember. Don't don't do this to me. Uh, Richard Lawler's here. Hi, Richard. Hello. I just want you to know that both I and everyone who listens to the Vergecast prefers you to Neelai. So I would just say this is an enormous upgrade over what we had just before the break. I get that a lot. (laughs) What's your take on bananas? How many times have you done surgery on a banana? I guarantee no bananas takes. (laughs) You don't have any takes on bananas? Now Now I feel obligated to press on this theory. You don't have any takes on bananas? Riley's banana shakes? Yes. Bananas, no. That's good. Fair enough. That's good. So... We have a lot to cover. This is like the last week of summer. It's about to truly get bonkers in the tech world. Like we we have this big run of events about to happen. So this was kind of a mix of leaks and information about what's coming this fall, plus the last of this like grab bag of news we've been talking about all summer. Like get all your stuff out before Apple announces the iPhone event, because basically as soon as that happens, like it is the fall and chaos reigns forever. But the the first thing I want to do is talk about some of the stuff that's coming this fall. And before we were coming into this, I made a list of all of the events of like the next six weeks. And I can I just read them to you? And I need you all to feel the feelings that it made me feel to write this list down. Are you guys ready? Do I need like a drink first? You're going to need several drinks during and after. Take a shot for every time you're going to have to work too much in the next six weeks. Don't. You'll die. <laughs> okay. Here's what we have. IFA is happening right now. The Toronto International Film Festival, which is a surprisingly cool source of movies, especially like smaller stuff you might not have heard of, starts September 7th. The Apple event where we're going to see the iPhone 15 is on September 12th. The Detroit Auto Show is on September 13th. Amazon is having an event, presumably one of those where they just launched 200 things that run Alexa on September 20th. The next day on the 21st, Microsoft is having an event, probably some surfaces. The Code Conference, which we're obviously a huge part of, starts on September 26th. Meta Connect is on September 27th. We're going to see the Quest 3. There's a Google event. We're probably going to see the Pixel 8 on October 4th. And then the next day on October 5th is Samsung's developer conference, where I assume they'll just like talk about Bixby a bunch. And that's that's just between now and the first week of October. So like for all the people who write to the Vergecast email and are like, hey, can you talk more about gadgets? Like, oh boy, it's coming. It's coming. y'all. <laughs> we miss the gadgets too. And they're about to come back with a, a true vengeance. Are we like, is this good? Are we excited about this? I'm always excited about this time of year because I, I like all the travel. I like the hustle and bustle. I like how you're just moving. And then like Thanksgiving comes and you're like, there's just an off switch and you just stop functioning for a week, ideally. And that's really, really nice. Like, and you just get all these cool things to play with for a month and a half. And that's fun. I like that. I like playing with all the stuff. I wish there were more like things that I really enjoy, like not phones, but I'm still excited. Like I want e-readers and, and weird tablets. Yeah. Real lack of Kobo events this fall for crayons. Yes. Where are the Kobo events? Okay. Where's the Nook event? Like, I I want a Samsung event, but I just want it to be TVs and speakers. That's it. I'm imagining a Nook launch is just like one person at a Barnes & Noble who like spots the new Nook on a shelf. And is like, oh, look, a new Nook. And then the CEO just bursts out from a a display of books and is like, we made it for you. (laughs) With like some music playing, like the lights start changing. Exactly. But I like, if you want to get some snacks, they're right in the back. (laughs) At at the knockoff Starbucks that we put back there in every one of our stores. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't know. Richard, how do you feel about this? Well, and I, and I love that. And I love the events, the pace of it. Not so much the travel, covering them from at home, much better. But also, it's the time when all of that stuff that came out at CES and that was announced really early in the year, then you never heard about it again. And companies acted like they never announced it at all. When you ask them, they're like, like, what's that? I don't, we would, I would remember if you, if you, if we had said that, but I don't. Now it's coming up. Like Samsung's like, oh yeah, remember we launched 200 gaming monitors and we said they were going to be released. Now, now you can actually buy them. Maybe they might be at your local Best Buy. So there's kind of both parts. You have these announcements of products that are about to come out and will be out very soon. And you also have these things that you've been waiting for so long that you probably forgot about them. But here they are. And they're all monitors from Samsung. That's true. The thing that precedes all of this actually is like back to school season, which we've been in the throes of for like three weeks now. And that's when everybody who's like selling large TVs and large computer monitors and like wants to sell you a thing with gaming lights on it, like back to school season is their sweet spot. So we've we've been in this like, remember that thing you heard about at CES space for the last few weeks. And I agree, it's been delightful. Samsung being like, remember that big screen we told you about? Look at it. Here it is. I love it. I'm in on that. <laughs> you put it outside. It's great. It's bright. Exactly. Um, okay. So we're going to have plenty of time over the next six weeks to cover all of this stuff. So we're just going to like lightning round it for now. We pulled out a bunch of stuff that's happening this fall. Let's. We each picked one and we're just going to talk about it for a little bit here now. Just kind of what's on our mind as a little preview as we go into the fall. Uh, Richard, would you pick? The Pixel 8. First of all, Google just can't stop leaking its own phones. The Pixel 8 uh, Pro showed up on Google's store website a little bit early. Fortunately, we didn't have to wonder whether or not it was the Pixel 8 Pro or not because it had some alt text that very clearly described it as the Pixel 8 Pro. This is definitely deliberate, right? And the guy in the picture is also probably wearing a new Pixel watch, if you take a look closely. It has to be deliberate. They did the yeah. alt text. Like... You don't mess that up. It might be, but they also have a track record of doing this that's so long that they might just be that incompetent. They, it's the perfect crime. What if that's actually not incompetence? What if that's the plan? Like, it's always nah. been the plan. So everybody's like, oh, man, they're always leak. What's it going to be this time? I'll get excited this time. I don't think it's a good plan, but like, I think it could be the plan. Was it last year with the Pixel 7 that Google ended up just tweeting out like, yeah, here it is. Like weeks ahead of the launch, they were just like, yeah, you've seen it enough times. Here it is. Enjoy. I think that was last year. I can't, I can't remember if that was the 7 or the 7A, but I, I think you're right. That was the 7. They were just like, yeah, look, you know what it is. We, <laughs> like, we it looks like you. the last one. <laughs> Whatever. Um, the, the bad news, unfortunately, this week about the Pixel is, you know, if you bought a Pixel 6 and you subscribed to Pixel Pass, like I did, thinking that you'd be able to easily upgrade because Google said you would be able to. They said you would. You won't. You couldn't upgrade for two years. It was locked. You would have to wait two years to upgrade to a new device. It is now one year and about 10 and a half months. And Google says, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. The Pixel Pass is over. Do you feel bait and switched? I feel bait and something. I don't know switched exactly. <laughs> yeah, because before this, like before we started recording, you were like, I'm not that upset about it. But you're like, walk me through that. Why aren't you that upset about it? Well, th there's kind of two parts to it. What what people paid for, what, what I paid for, I got. I bought a phone okay. that I paid for over the course of several months. Also paid a, a kind of bundled discounted price for a bunch of services like cloud storage that I don't really use. YouTube music that I do use, a YouTube premium. It's pretty nice to forget that YouTube has ads. Got all that. And even after the Pixel Pass goes away, they'll still have a discounted rate for those services. Uh, and also insurance for the phone and stuff like that. Like it, it was all in one thing. Sweet. But when they announced it, they said... 
that it was going to give you easy device upgrades and you could do it after two years. And now no one <laughs> will get that. Like, it's not even like they're cutting it off and some people took advantage, some people didn't. Zero. There, there is zero of that, which you can still get like a, a 0% APR phone if you want to get it like and, and pay it over the course of months or something. But you just can't do this package again. I think you're way underselling this. I think this is outrageous. Like, I honestly believe this is one of the like crueler and more cynical things Google has done in a series of cruel and cynical things to people who bought its products and cared about them. And they framed this in in the course of building up the Pixel over the years as like another way to believe that Google is going to continue to care about its hardware, right? Like it has said over and over for years now, like we are in this for real. We are going to take care of customers. We're going to keep giving you reasons to be part of this. We're going to keep making the deals better on and on and on. And this is like the most deliberate, shitty rug pull of a move I can imagine, even if everyone more or less, like you're saying, comes out of it whole, which I actually don't really think is true because I think there are a lot of people who are now going to go through much more messy and complicated upgrade programs than it would have been if I could have just clicked a button and shipped my thing to Google and gotten a new phone. Like that's a win in a way that like, even if I have to go to my carrier store and do a trade in is more complicated. So even just making it harder is a, is a loss. But I just think like from a pure, like showing people you don't care about them move, this is such a crappy thing for Google to do. And, and the people who are the most dedicated to the brand, like yeah. pro- probably the biggest Pixel fans who were like, okay, yeah, I'll get one. And then two years from now, I'll get another one. I, I'm willing to sign up. Sign, let me do it. I think it's a mischaracterization to call you guys the biggest Pixel fans. I think just Pixel fans, right? Who's a bigger Pixel fan? <laughs> no, but like... I'll fight them. Are there, are there people that... Is there anything above a Pixel fan? I think like pix, being a Pixel fan in itself makes you a big Pixel fan. So you're saying like there is no such thing as a small pixel fan? There's not like a Zoom tattoo guy of the pixel community. Yeah, there's no such thing as a small pixel there, fan. Like there, you have to have passion. There are no small pixel fans, only small people. Like there's it's like e-ink. There's no such thing as a small e-ink fan. Like you can't be like, oh, that's a like I'm not a big e-ink fan. I'm an e-ink fan because there's not a lot of us. There's not enough of us for there to be like big ones and little ones. No, you know what? I think there are kind of a uh, pixel casuals. Okay. <laughs> as it were. And and many of them may have picked up the Pixel Pass because again it was it was a pretty good deal and a decent way to buy a phone. It was like oh you know you can click a button and you can get all the things in in one thing, not your carrier. You can go bring that how you want, or you could get Google Fi and get another five dollars off. But now those people are just oh not happening. I think it's just like was just super. I don't know. I am I'm, I know you're processing it, and I know you're in a place where you're like it's fine, it's chill. But I really hope like next week. We come back and we're like, Richard, how are you feeling about it? I hope you're like mad because I'm so mad on your behalf. I'm just like, they, like, I'm with David. I'm like, they, they bait and switched y'all. They were like, Hey, come and do this. Nah, psych. We're, we don't give a crap about you guys. We're not even going to last two years. Like it feels like disingenuous marketing. It just feels gross. And I'm sad for you. Yeah. But believing that Google would actually come through on something that they promised is basically doing it to yourself. That's. <laughs> Like I, I've, I've got to take the L on that one. I just that should should have seen that coming. That that, that was that was not a five thousand IQ play. It really, it really is like <laughs> terrifying how true that is. Like I, I wrote, I wrote a thing. I think it was last week about Google Keep, their note taking app, which has gotten a couple of like really nice upgrades. It's a good app. It's 
kind of a thing people don't like know or use, but the people who do really love it because it's a really good, simple note taking app. And like overwhelmingly, the comments on the story were like, don't talk about Keep. Google will remember it exists and kill it. Like if an, if a Google executive reads this, the one engineer who is still building features will get fired and they'll kill this app. And it's like, that's how people think about this stuff. Like we literally cannot have nice things from Google anymore because it just ruthlessly kills all of them. And I think if I'm the hardware team, they're still in this position of people don't believe them that they're serious and with with good reason and lots of evidence. And so, like, if I was Google, I would have gone way out of my way to say this thing is going to continue to exist. Where if we even if we can't think of a way to make it worthwhile for the people who already got it, even if they've already been made whole, we're going to come up with something new because what we need you to do is be loyal to us and trust that we're going to be loyal to you. And said they're just like, never mind. You get YouTube. How? How do they, how can, like, I feel like I had this exact conversation two years ago with Dieter on the Verge cast about like when, when that Pixel 6 came out, cause that was the big moment where, where that was what the fourth iteration of no, we really care about hardware now. This is the moment. And we were like, okay. And they did the Pixel pass and it's like, okay. They feel like they, and then they, they pulled the rug again. So it's like, how do you build that trust? You keep like destroying that trust every time you get a little bit of it you go and you like poop on it and say oh pixel fans the 12 of you that exist including richard get out of here we don't like you i just don't see how they can they come back from this well i think the i think the writing really was on the wall because when you look at like when the pixel fold came out and people asked about the pixel pass they were told basically the same language that they they announced this week that yeah no um not so much happening um and, and i think that's part of what makes it worse is that they could have announced this six months ago yeah, but people were like, "Oh, people were sitting back. They saw they saw, they saw the rumors. They were like, oh, Pixel 8 is coming out. I'll I'll just be able to get that.' Check. No, no, would, no, you will not. You have felt better if they'd done it six months ago. If they just like so, you could have like prepared emotionally. Yes, emotionally, yes. Um, all right, let's let's move on. We're gonna have a lot of time to yell at Google between now and October. Do we know anything about the eight Pro yet? By the way, Richard, is there any? We saw the one picture in the ad. Are there like? Reputable rumors? Yes, we've seen lots of pictures. We've seen renders. We've seen specs. Uh, there's rumors that it'll have Wi-Fi 7. It'll probably still have the same. The FCC uh, filings came out this week also. So we know that it's basically like the previous ones where like the Pro has uh, ultra wideband, but the regular one does not. We've seen kind of hardware specs about the chips. It's a pixel. Okay. You, you, you know how these go. The, the real question is like, what are the software features going to be? And there's been leaks of something like video unblur. So just like photo unblur, but for videos. That's cool. I just want to say I was out sick for the last two days and somehow Wi-Fi 7 happened while I was gone for two days. So that's cool and fun. And I'll catch up on that over here. But I do think the, I'm actually more interested in the Pixel than the iPhone this year because like Google has been saying this thing about like on-device AI for, you know, years now. And this seems like one of the first years that if it wants to do some like really genuinely wild on-device AI stuff, it might actually be able to. So I think that's going to be very interesting. But again, we have lots of time to talk about that. I'm going to go next because I want to talk about Taylor Swift. And Kranz, you can go last. Okay. The true event of the fall, I think we can agree, is that Taylor Swift's Eras Tour is coming to AMC theaters across the country in October. As far as I know, at least from what I've seen so far, this is all kind of just happening. We don't know for how long. We just know that they're doing at least four showings a day at every theater and that AMC has upgraded its ticket capabilities for five times as much demand as it has had before because of all the Swifties who did or did not get tickets to the Eras Tour. I honestly believe this might be like the biggest movie of all time. 
if it was allowed to be. It's a like concert movie, right? It's it's not live streams. Yeah. So from just like the little tiny bits I've seen, you can see some snippets on like Taylor Swift's TikTok account was, I think, where I saw it. It looks basically like a super well-produced concert film. I love that. That sounds great. It sounds amazing. And you get to see it in like a gigantic theater with, you know, cool surround sound. And it'll be a million Swifties. Like they even said, bring the friendship bracelets, dress in all the eras stuff. Like you better believe I will be there giving people bracelets that say Verge Swifties, and we can all be Verge Swifties together. I I won't be there, but I will support all of you. Are there Verge Swifties besides you and Neelai? I think sneakily, like two-thirds of the Verge is Swifties. I know at least a couple of people tried and failed multiple times to get Eras tickets. Richard is being suspiciously quiet, which makes me think he's definitely a Swifty for sure. I was like, hmm, look at Richard's off looking in a corner. Richard? Yeah, I just don't know what's going on here. (laughs) I'm very happy for you, though. The cultural event of the summer. And fall and winter and the rest of our lives. I'm sure. This movie might be in theaters for a decade, Richard. She she fixed the economy. Like like they keep being like, oh yeah, the, the eras to her increased spending. Like it fixed the economy. I don't think it fixed the economy, but it increased spending. What if she like lowers the rent? What if she what if she like changes the world with this tour? I fully believe in her her economic prowess. Oh, I agree. At some point when the when the eras tour ends. We're going to find somebody fun to talk to about this, and we're going to go through, like, the insane, like, stratospheric records that this tour has set, and nothing will ever top it ever again. And, like, the things she has—it's insane and wild, and I'm very excited about this movie. And that's all. Everybody— you probably can't get tickets if you're hearing this now. Well, it created congressional hearings about Ticketmaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, she broke Ticketmaster. She's going to make AMC the most valuable company in the universe now. This is, she runs the economy. This is what it is. All right, Kranz, you're up. What do you got? Okay. iPhones coming two weeks. I'm really mad. I bought an iPhone 14 Pro last year and I was really excited about it. And I was like, I'll be fine. I don't need the next one. And now the next one sounds like it's almost definitely going to have USB-C and the FOMO is extreme for me at the moment. And like, I'm, I'm locked into this payment plan for another year. So it's not like, I'm not, I'm, I'm cheap. I'm not going to be going and buying it, but I'm going to be regretting my life choices a lot. Like, come two weeks from now. You didn't get the iPhone upgrade plan? No. I want to pay in cash because it didn't work with my Apple Pay card, I think. And I want want my 3%. I like imagining that you just walk in with a bag of nickels and just, like, throw it on the desk in the Apple (laughs) store and you're like, give me an iPhone. I just whip it across the the genius bar at them. Yeah. But it it seems exciting. I I don't know. iPhones are kind of weird in a weird place, right? Like they, yeah, they're in a weird place. Last year, the exciting thing was the dynamic island and we we enjoyed the island, but try explaining to anyone who doesn't listen to the Verge cast what the dynamic island is. And that's a less fun conversation. (laughs) Yeah. They'll just say it's that thing at the top of the screen that screws up all the apps sometimes. Yeah. They're just kind of annoyed with you. But like USB-C, I'm like, beyond excited about USB-C. I just got a new USB-C charger from from Anchor and I'm so like it charges my phone or not my phone. It charges like my my computer, it charges my Steam Deck, it charges just everything I own that I can plug USB-C into and it's wonderful and I'm like, "Oh, I want my phone to do that too." That seems cool. So uh, USB-C alone has has me pumped for it. And we're getting USB-C on the AirPod case. I'm not going to buy it because, again, like if my phone doesn't do USB-C, I refuse to let my AirPods case do USB-C. 
it has to wait in line, but this is like exciting. If you like USB-C, it's going to be a big event. If you like anything else, it's going to be an iPhone event. Well, also, if you like wireless charging, I mean, we'll talk to John in a bit, but the big news at IFA is these wireless chargers that are getting announced with the Qi 2 standard mm. that the iPhone 15 may support. We'll, I guess we'll find out and allow kind of non-MagSafe chargers to charge iPhones at the same rate as MagSafe and also, you know, kind of other devices, other phones that support 15-watt wireless charging. So if you like wireless charging, uh, this is your moment. Oh, I got a wireless charger, too. I spent like $150. Or, or if you want to buy a new charging stand or something like that, yeah, don't for like the next couple Don't, Don't be me. I bought it last month. I do not read our website enough is what happened there. <laughs> a lot of regret. I was talking to somebody at one of the charging companies the other day, and, and they were basically saying that the USB-C thing is cool, but it's a mirage because wireless is the real thing. That it's like the actual arc that we're on is wireless charging taking over. And it would have been great if USB-C had been ready, you know, 12 years ago, and we could have just gone straight to that. But we didn't, and that's fine. But where we're actually headed, and I think where Apple has pretty clearly been wanting to head for a long time, is wireless charging. Wireless charging is mostly still very bad and not mm. as good or fast as wired charging. So I think we still have a ways to go. But I agree. I think I think especially some of the stuff we're seeing at IFA that we're going to talk about a little later is, is pretty exciting. Richard, do you care about this iPhone? Convince me to care about this iPhone. Well, I had more things to convince you about the iPhone. Oh, you're not done. Okay. You didn't talk about the action button yet. Hit me. Yeah, we, I was about to say the action button. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. And I'm not <laughs> excited about the action button. I, I would be excited about the action button if it didn't replace the mute button. And like, if I'm just going to have to program it to be the mute button, then it's not an action button. It's just a mute button that I had to like do an extra step to make a mute button. I want, I want both. I just straight up had to look at my phone to see if it still had a mute button. That thing has been on mute since the minute I took it out of the package and I have not touched it since. Anyone who lets their phone ring loud is 75 years old. Blanket rule of the universe. If your phone rings, you are 100 years old. And should don't you like being able to just go, oh, is it on mute? Take a quick look or like reach into your pocket and go eh, and kind of hit the little switch while you're walking down the street and be like, yeah, it's on mute. I, I, I just want I want that. I like that. I don't want to have to like pull my phone out, program the mute button, and then hit mute. You don't miss the art of ring of ringtones. <laughs> they're trying to bring ringtones back by getting rid of the mute button. No, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they're killing it forever. It's like your phone can no longer make noise when it rings. Would be like truly Apple's most innovative feature <laughs> in years. They have to go to my mother's house and explain that to her. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not letting anyone at the... Like, Apple itself... Tim Cook has to fly to my mother's house and explain to her why her phone doesn't ring anymore. Does your mom have the ringtone that rings like an old-timey phone? My mother-in-law has that ringtone, and it drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. She's got the ringtone, and she's got it on her watch, too, which she answers in the supermarket, I learned. So, sorry to all the H... H-E-B shoppers of Texas for having to listen to all of my conversations with my mom while she's picking up groceries. It's great. All right. Before we go to break, Alex, you wrote down one other one in the fall things coming up that you're excited about. Give us 30 seconds, then we're going. Yes. Starfield. It's the new Bethesda game. 
like all other Bethesda games, I think it's going to be stupid. But then I'm, <laughs> I'm reading all the reviews and now I really want to play it. But I also know that like every other Bethesda game, I'm going to play it for 100, 200 hours, never finish it and tell everybody it sucks. I'm so excited. So stupid is not the word you're looking for here. <laughs> it's going to be stupid. It's going to be like the characters look stupid. I feel stupid playing it because I'm like, oh, you can't look dumb. Like Bethesda characters look dumb. And that's a bummer. And so far, that seems to be the case for this game as well. But also, I want to travel around delivering coffee in space. That seems cool. I don't want to do that in real life, but I want to do that in space. Richard's just like, if it's not Overwatch, don't even talk to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I, I want another game as a service shooter. Just something I can play in 15 minutes. You just want to play Redfall forever. Like that's. If it weren't so terrible, if it were just any slight bit less terrible, I would, I would be playing it right now. <laughs> I like it. All right, we got to take a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about all the other mishmash of nonsense happening in the tech world this week. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back. So lots of little news this week. There was some Threads news. It seems like we're getting Search. Sony raised the prices on PlayStation. Plus, we've got some X doing sketchy stuff. I don't really want to talk about that anymore. Wireless carriers doing weird stuff again. Call of Duty using AI to moderate voice chats, which is just America's worst idea in years. Uh, let's let's just blast through all this. We can't get to all of this, so let's just lightning round this again. Uh Crance, you're you were you're still on the roll. You get to go first. I'm so excited. So Dolby just announced this thing. It's called Dolby Atmos Flex Connect, and the name is very stupid. That's okay because what it could do could potentially be very very cool, which is that it will automatically like just make your speakers, your wireless speakers, work with your TV, provided they both support Dolby Atmos Flex Connect, and only one of TV will support that in the next year that we know of, and it's from TCL. So it's not going to work with any of your current stuff, and it's probably not going to work with most of your stuff next year. But like five years from now, 
this is gonna be sick as hell and i'm I'm actually excited about it because like sonos has done a lot of this stuff in the past they do the automatic calibration and everything like that but it's just sonos and you have to use sonos speakers and you're stuck in that and this means like okay i can go get any speaker like any wireless speaker i want and it's gonna bounce it's gonna take and ping the audio from that speaker the TV's got its own microphones built in. It's going to receive it and it's going to go, oh, and fix it all. You don't have to worry about a stupid sound bar because sound bars are bad. I'm sorry. You, even though I own one, you don't have to worry about like messing with anything. It should just all work. And for like the last, what, 20 years, TV audio has not just worked. So that feels appealing, even though you're still like now going to have to buy additional speakers for your TV. At least it should make it a lot easier and more natural and hopefully cheaper than the Soto solution, which is why I'm not buying a new iPhone this year. So the idea seems to be, if I'm understanding this correctly, and I'm genuinely yes. not sure that I am, but if, I, if I'm <laughs> understanding this correctly, it's that you don't have to buy like a full surround sound set. You don't have to buy that one gigantic box at Best Buy. You can you can sort of bring your own speakers and essentially as long as they are like compatible with this one flex connect spec, Dolby will be able to stitch them all together. You'll be able to put them in a system and it'll work. Yeah, that, that that's it. Like theoretically, if Vizio supports this, you can go get those super cheap but decent Vizio speakers, set it all up. And then instead of like getting all weird and finicky and trying to use the not very good, super cheap Vizio technology to make the speakers sound good just have dolby do it and do it well and it'll all sound well so this seems great this also seems like a thing that shouldn't be that hard to do and probably should have happened 15 years ago right yeah yeah like sonus does it now and sonus is wildly expensive the tv companies have not really cared about speaker like they haven't cared about this they haven't needed to because they're like okay for them there's three there's three tv buyers right there's the people who spend all of their time in AV forum. <laughs> it's like me and Eli. Like we're over, we're over there, and when we're gonna go buy a bunch of stuff, and we're gonna spend twelve years working on our system, and it's gonna sound beautiful. And people will ask us how much we spent, and we'll have to run from the room screaming and saying, "You don't need to know that." <laughs> That's us. Then there's like me. A couple of years ago, and a lot of people, probably most people listening to this, were like, I want speakers that sound good. So you go and you buy some speakers. They're Sonos or Vizio or whatever. And you plug them into your TV, and it sounds reasonably good. Probably not as good as any CRT TV you had 20 years ago, but decent. And then there's everybody else who doesn't listen to the Vergecast and doesn't know that all speakers and TVs suck because speakers require space and TVs don't give them any. And so they go and they buy a TV and they're like, wow, the speakers stop. So they turn the volume way up. They turn on the subtitles and they're just like, why can't I hear anything anymore? And while part of that is definitely the fault of Hollywood, so much of it is the fault of bad TV makers not caring. And they're like, well, if you care that much, go be one of those people who buys speakers from us and puts them in the back. We don't care enough to like make it nice, but do it. There was this post I saw, I forget which social platform it was on. There's too many of them at this point. But there was somebody who was like, guys, you don't even know. The reason you think Netflix sounds so bad is because by default, its sound is turned to 5.1. And if you are using your built-in speakers, that means you're not getting the right ones. Just go and switch it to stereo and everything will be amazing. And this post went like 
hugely viral. And everybody was like, oh my God, you've solved it. And I was just like, my guy, like this ain't it. You didn't do it. You just had a setting wrong on your Netflix. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That is not it. And also you're going to put it on stereo and you're going to be like, oh, now it sounds bad in stereo. (laughs) (laughs) From two sides instead of five. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, Richard, you're, you're a guy who lives in AV forums and owns 30 or 40 televisions. Does, does this idea excite you? I think it sounds great from the idea that, okay, so you can just go get some speakers and press the button and it'll say, all right, I'll get, I'll get the sound figured out. And that's kind of always been the problem of Atmos is that they've programmed in the sound. So it doesn't need like, okay, so how many channels do you have? Do you have two channels? Do you have 2.1? Do you have 5.1? Do you have 7.1? Do you have 9.1? No, I have some speakers. Do it for me. Yeah. And you'll do it. Also, they have never uh, gotten surround sound audio right ever at any point. It has never been seamless. It has never worked the way that it should. So I don't know why we should expect that it will. <laughs> and, uh, I'm an optimist at heart, Richard. The, the thing is, the technology exists like this should be possible. This, this is the kind of thing that like with a microphone in the TV, with speakers with the right technology, you could do it. I'm sure that it will make Dolby money as they get licensing fees from all the speakers that are now compatible. How long it'll be until I can use this in my own living room, I'm not so sure. Well, you know, if it sucks, which it very well could, but it's a good idea, somebody else could go like and be like, oh, like Physio could just go and do that. Well, it'll be DTS, uh, not Flex Connect. Yeah, DTS Flex Connect. Yeah, I just I always think <laughs> about like the so the the ultimate ears boom series are like the best bluetooth speakers on the planet and one of the things that they've done really well is you can actually daisy chain a bunch of them together and it's not terribly complicated it just like synchronizes the sound coming out of a bunch of speakers right so if you have a big house and you don't want to rig up a whole speaker system you can just put four bluetooth speakers around the house sync them all together and it plays and the fact that that alone is like an innovative feature in speakers is bananas like you can do this with bluetooth you can do this with wi-fi like this is not a complicated technological problem we've done much harder things than make speakers play and i think like to richard's point about you know a a million different kinds of surround sound none of them that have ever been done very well i think just the fact that it's as difficult as it is to buy like two pretty good speakers stick them on the either side of your television and have it work is nuts like that's the reason i tell people to buy soundbars because you don't have to program it you know where it goes just don't worry about it even buying two speakers ends up being more work than it's worth for not that much better sound most of the time so i think the idea that it's going to like perfectly correctly tune your room I I agree, I don't trust, but I really hope it works. Like, I super, super, super hope it works because it would be awesome. Five years from now, it'll be be cheaper than Sonos and not as good, but better than nothing. I mean, I'll take it. Which is the entire story of home theater audio at this point. As is, Dolby almost got it right. That's like, that's Dolby's slogan. Like we all, we almost got it this time. (laughs) No, we're not going to, we're going to, we're going to write it the last second. (laughs) Screw it up. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, Richard, what's your next one? Yeah. You know, my, my thing is Google's Duet AI Mm. becoming available in Docs and Gmail and other workspace apps. Uh, You know, you reported on this this week. I want to hear more from you about the people you talk to and all the things they said. But what strikes me is the price. We saw this with the Microsoft Bing AI and then making it available in Microsoft 365. And it looks like Google's going about the same same way. They're charging, it looks like $30 per person per month. That's a lot of money. And as soon as I saw that with the Microsoft thing, and now I see it with Google, I understand why they're pushing AI so hard, because they're going to make a lot of money from it. The bad news is that the companies who buy it, they're probably going to want to save money somewhere else. 
whether or not these AI tools actually work or make people more productive or do not, they're going to be spending a lot of money on them. So there's going to be cuts somewhere else. And it, it just seems like that's assured. Is it $30 per month per head? User. Like yeah. per account? Yes. <gasps> yep. No. Yeah. Nope. Hard pass. That's a no for me. It would have to be magic. Yeah, like, do you, do you can you can you just think for a second how good it would have to be to justify that price? It would have to be magic. There's like a there's a set of people who will just get this because it's useful, and there's a set of these things that I think are like time saving in a way that will actually be meaningful to people, right? Like the the idea that I can uh, I don't know take a Google Doc and say duet turn this into a spreadsheet and it'll turn it into like a remedial but functional google slides deck in 45 seconds is like there are a lot of people to whom that is worth 30 dollars a month easily there are a lot of people who essentially do that one thing for a living and i think the question of what happens to those people to your point is really interesting and really complicated and probably really messy and bad in the long run for those people but i, I tend to agree that I, I think the number of people for whom there are 30 dollars a month worth of good features in Google Duet is going to be smaller than Google thinks. And I think it's going to be the same with Copilot that like, if you just give it to people, they'll use it because having a thing that can, you know, clean up my email grammar or make a graph out of my spreadsheet data for me is useful. And I, I, I would use that if it was just there, but paying what amounts to like three X the price of Google workspace for that is super, super, super steep. And I don't know that Google has made a particularly convincing case that this is going to like work. Like We've all used Bard in the last six months. I don't really have any reason to believe this thing is going to be as good as they say it is. Is it going to work with like your calendar? What do you mean? I, the only thing I would pay $30 a month for is an AI that just understood and did all my calendar scheduling for me. Like, including the polite DMs to people to be like, can I put some time on your calendar? Is this okay? All Like, I want it to just do all of that. If it did all of that, I, I personally would pay $30. I don't know if I could get Vox Media to agree to pay $30, but like, I'd be like, oh, I'll send you a check. Let's do that on the side. There's an app called Motion. Uh-huh. I think it's motion.io, I think, that does exactly that. And I think it's like $15 a month. But is it trustworthy? I haven't used it in a while, but by all accounts, it's actually pretty good. I hate those apps. Like, even as a person who is, like, obsessed with my calendar and spends way too much time, like, managing the blocks in my calendar. I can't can't trust them. No, because it's like, tell us about your flow state and we'll schedule it. And I'm like, I don't know. It, like, depends on what I eat for lunch that day. Like, leave me alone, calendar. I was like, no, you should just know. Like, I basically want an assistant but it's only $30 a month. I am the problem with the economy. I am why they're all so excited. You're literally the reason they built Duet AI. (laughs) Like, here's the best we can do. But I don't trust it. Like, a person, I would be like, hey, don't do that in the future. And they'd be like, yeah, pay me more than $30 a month. That'd be fair, fair. (laughs) But like, I, I just can't imagine trusting it. Because when it would screw up, it would probably screw up in the worst way. It would probably like decline an invite from an Apple event, which would be hysterical, and be like, no, you're not going to that. Decline it and be like, you've got to go do your performance review. And I'd be like, no, those are two different things. And one matters more in this moment. Performance reviews always matter, but not on the same day as Apple events. (laughs) I don't know. I just think like my initial read of Duet is very much that like this is clear evidence that Google has not 
figured out what the killer app for AI is for. And it's the same with Microsoft, where they, they've come up with a lot of relatively small, mostly useful sounding things that these tools can do without anything that you're immediately like, oh, I need that in my life. I'm also cognizant of the fact that the three of us do not have real jobs and that most <laughs> jobs involve email, spreadsheets, and slide decks. And most people and most companies would be willing to pay a lot of money to make any of those three things slightly more efficient. And like Google's bet is essentially like, okay, if we can make each one of those a little tiny bit better, we can help you write emails faster. We can help you like get more actual data out of your spreadsheet. We can help you make more beautiful decks on deadline. Like that might work. All they have to do is be like, we'll do the pivot tables and you'll never have to understand what a pivot table is. Like a lot of places would probably be like, yeah, $30 a month. Never have to learn about a pivot table. Yeah. And then every just out of business school employee on planet Earth just got fired. Like right as I was saying that sentence, they all lost their jobs. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. If you are a like junior account executive at a marketing company, like you're so screwed. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fortunately, the thing that you'll that will be replacing you, uh, our boss asked Bard, what's the coolest thing anyone could do and received some answers. <laughs> Can you just read the list? Uh, some cool things people have done <laughs> so include uh, walking to a destination, even if it's 3000 miles away, uh, playing World of Warcraft for 100 hours in a week. Yes, I'm cool. Uh, being in a movie with Will Smith. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, cool things in the world include chewing gum, uh, skateboards <laughs> and co-ord outfits. I don't know. I don't know what those are. I guess I'm not cool enough. <laughs> You're not cool the enough. Bard knows. Don't feel bad. Yeah. Who knew we were also cool for like 1995 with a chewing gum and a skateboard? We were badasses. You know, there's like a there's a marketing person at like a fashion agency right now who is furiously Googling what is the coolest thing anyone can do and just being like, <laughs> I would not pay $30 a month for this. <laughs> this is it? And I just, I very much enjoyed that Neelai's when he posted that, he was like, I can't believe it didn't say a backflip, which is objectively the coolest thing. It is. Uh, yeah, it's very good. But I, I like all of this stuff to me just says none of this is finished yet. And it's kind of wild to see who is willing to pay for this stuff, even though it's at the very, 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 very beginning of whatever it's going to someday be. And who is going to say at the end of their free trial, this is neat not worth $30 a month per person for my entire company. And if How I were a betting is... man, I would bet on that second thing being a lot more true than either Google or Microsoft think. How long is the trial? I don't know. Because like, if it's like a year-long trial... Maybe they have a shot. They can take the year to figure out how to make it useful. If it's a one-month trial, like, yo, what are you doing? You gave you gave Richard more time than you're giving these people. Come on. I think it might be 30 days. I think that is, I think that might Absolutely be how long it is. Not. I think their bet is that the executive who makes the decision is the person who's going to find it really useful right away. And they'll just say, yeah, we'll sign off on it and we'll fire 100 other people. Doesn't matter how, how well it works or does not work. And we just saw this week, uh, I think Walmart announced that they're going to roll out AI for basically all their office employees. And they didn't say which one they're using or how much they're paying or anything. But I wonder how, how much, how long they'll stick with it and how many people will continue to have access to it's it. It's going to be the Walmart AI. That's what it's going to be called. And they're not going to pay it very well. But <laughs> it's going to do the job. 
and then the rest of us will subsidize it with our tax dollars. And there will be one in your town before you know it. <laughs> yeah, there will be one in every town. It's going to be great. It's going to get rid of all the other little little uh, mom and pop AI stores in your town. I'm exactly. so sorry. The AI needs to unionize. <laughs> <laughs> now that is going to be when this gets really interesting. The AI labor movement for the, for the AIs themselves. I don't even, yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh, my lightning round thing for this segment is I feel obligated to be the one continuing to chronicle the ever consuming normalization of all of these video apps in which they just all slowly become the exact same thing. And the version of this this week is that Instagram appears to be working on a version of Instagram Reels that lets you upload videos up to 10 minutes long, which you can now do on TikTok, which TikTok did in order to be more like YouTube, where people have always been able to watch you know, longer videos. And people on YouTube, of course, have started making shorter videos for shorts, which was created to compete with TikTok. And uh, Reels is also created to... I could do this forever. The point is, all of these apps are the goddamn same thing now. And They're it's not, though. driving me nuts. And Alex, I, I want to get to why you're wrong very shortly <laughs> here. But the last thing I want to say about this is I think 10-minute vertical videos are actually an extremely good idea uh one weird thing that i have discovered is that i just really like watching vertical things like there's something to the sort of flow of like how you swipe and how you watch and all that stuff but also like i think for a long time there was this idea that you can't do as much in a vertical frame and in certain ways that's true but also like i don't mind i found myself sitting watching longer things on vertical screens than I thought. And like, I'm holding my phone the way I normally hold my phone. And so the idea that like somebody is going to come out and make like a show out of one of these 10 minutes at a time, I actually think is not crazy. You mean like, like Quibi? Dude. So I listened to a podcast uh-huh. this week. It's called The Big Flop or something like that. Oh yeah. I saw about this. The first episode is about Quibi and the single wildest take that I will say on this show to this week is that it it convinced me that Quibi didn't actually miss by that much. I I would agree, honestly. I remember seeing Quibi at the time and being like, this feels like it could be a really good idea if it's executed well. And that it was just executed terribly and also released at the worst possible <laughs> moment an app of that nature could have ever been released in the history of the world okay so that's reasons two and three reason one is it was called quibi like that's yeah. the that's the first thing that ruined quibi like if quibi had been called max it would have had a real chance right like <laughs> if they hadn't spent a trillion dollars on content at the beginning on like flip my murder house <laughs> given some youtubers like 50 bucks <laughs> the rachel brashanahan show where yeah. she just the silver yeah. arm but this is what i'm saying but, bring quibbies back as 10 minute reels and i'm into it but yeah no vertical video is it's a it's a little limiting but it also is a little bit more focused and i think people generally do it better it it does work it, ha- it has a place but i kind of lean david's way alex they all just become tv shows eventually yeah and i'm a person who's never watched 10 minute videos on youtube so i'm not gonna watch them on instagram i'm not gonna watch them on tiktok i just won't do it. oh i, I watch refuse. them on tiktok all the time but it's the same ones i watch on youtube only now they're vertical and he, and the dude doesn't like cut like trim it to make it vertical so a lot of times it's just like blank space and you can hear him doing things because he's not <laughs> in the frame and i'm like yes it's just like his left hand in the frame yeah. and that's all you you'll can see, see like just yeah. a left hand cutting something and you're like yeah this is great it's so soothing because I already watched it on YouTube. But I was going to say, like, there is one big differentiator between all of these. 
and that is YouTube still does horizontal video, and the other ones don't. I mean, YouTube does. TikTok or, does do horizontal video. You, you can have you, videos that, that rotate, yeah. I just, I guess I haven't been presented with them. Am I supposed to be watching this guy in horizontal all this time? If you upload a, a widescreen video on TikTok, I think it'll like give you the option. So like it depends on it, how they uploaded it and what they did. Okay. But yeah, it definitely can do it. I have watched so many videos on TikTok that are the little horizontal video in the middle because it's like yeah. clip, it's like clip from a YouTube video and then just gigantic letterboxes on top. You're telling me I could have been doing it better this whole time? I think sometimes it'll like tell you like, hey, turn your, turn your phone. Like, yeah, this, this is service journalism here at The Verge. This is also my favorite TikTok genre is people explaining little known features of TikTok. Like the thing where if you put your thumb on the left side of the screen, it plays at 2x speed. Mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Learn how to use TikTok on TikTok. It's like the it's it's like the YouTubers being mad at YouTube. Like that's what they do on TikTok. It's great. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. All right. We got to take one more break and then we're going to come back and we're going to go through some of the biggest announcements coming out of IFA, the gigantic European gadget show that is happening as we speak. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, we're back. So none of us is at IFA this year. John Porter and Jen Tui were there. They did a lot of really great coverage for the site. There's a stream of all the stuff that they found. They went and just had adventures with vacuums and lights and headphones and speakers. And now they're sleeping. And now they're sleeping. It really is how it goes. You basically, you go, you touch gadgets for three days with no sleep or food, and then you drink heavily and go to sleep. And that's pretty much the run of one of those shows. So they are hopefully at this moment in the sleep phase Not the of drinking that. Uh, it's, listen, it's <laughs> a win-win. Win. Yeah, it's either way. But let's, there was a bunch of things going on, but we, we've kind of figured out how to divide it into three categories of interesting stuff. And Richard, you alluded to one of them earlier. So uh, take us through the, the like charging world of EFA this year. Yeah, it's all kind of centered around the iPhone 15 launch because Apple is finally going to release a phone, we think, with a USB-C port, first of all. So lightning and not tons of docks, tons of chargers, tons of stands that people have. It, when they get a new phone starting this fall, those won't apply anymore. They're going to need new chargers. They're going to need new things. They're going to need new cables. So, of course, all the companies that make those are just ready with, with new products. And beyond that, there's also this new standard Qi 2 to replace the wireless Qi standard that, assuming Apple supports it, could allow outside makers chargers to charge iPhones at up to 15 watts, you know, just by touching it. 
Which would be like twice what it has been before, right? Yeah, it was 7.5. If you weren't a MagSafe charger, it was half the rate. So, and, and you know, these things, they throttle kind of as it, as it goes through the charging. So like, it's not just going to be twice as fast, but it'll be faster and you'll, you'll love it. Uh, Anchor and Belkin are two of the companies that have announced Qi2 products. One of the things that I noticed about these announcements is that everyone who's announcing Qi2 products does not have a date for when they'll be released. They don't have a price. They don't really have anything. It's coming later this year, probably maybe early next year for some things, but eventually. And I think we'll probably get a lot more clarity once the iPhone 15 is actually announced. But we've got stuff like battery packs. Um, Anchor, they've got it all branded under their Maggo line. They've got new stands. They've got you know, different chargers, different kind of desktop chargers, all kinds of things. And the same thing for Belkin. And I think that this new Qi2 standard is going to be the kind of thing that you will actually replace uh, several of the chargers that you have probably within your reach or on your desk right now. I just realized as you were talking that this is kind of about to be the most exciting moment for phone accessories like ever. That there has ever been. Yeah. For the first time, if I'm an accessory maker, I can make something that works with your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your other phone, your partner's phone. Like you can build something that is going to work for everything and is going to last because I think you can reliably assume we're going to be on USB-C at least a few years from now. And so I have a feeling we're about to see like a glut of stuff. And like Lord knows Anchor alone is going to make 700 different USB-C products between now and like September 12th. Yeah. And of course, it's not all, if it's USB-C, it can work with whatever, but they, they have like a little thing that kind of latches onto the bottom of your iPhone with USB-C. It does, it does, they can't show it connecting to an iPhone yet, but you know what it is. <laughs> um, and, and that's just kind of where, where we are with, with those products. So there's just, there's going to be even more and even better, I, I think, kind of charging stuff. So if you're the kind of person who, when it's one of those Amazon deal days or something, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go get some chargers. It's time. It's going to be your time very soon. Kranz, this must make you so happy. I'm, I'm not happy at all because I just bought so much wireless charging stuff like two months ago. <laughs> I feel so dumb. I'm just like, it was like reading all of the news out of Aoife being like, rookie move, Kranz. Just... It's every time when the, when the prices are really good and you're like, oh, okay, I'll get it. It's all on sale. I, I should I should buy these. I got that wireless charger slash battery from Anchor. That thing is great. The little cube? Yeah, that like, oh, it's beautiful. I love that thing. I yeah. love it. And now I'm like, well, damn it. There's another one, and I want that one more because it's got like a little. And screen it has a on screen it. on it now. Yeah, I'm like, so if anybody needs a a, a generation one charger, uh, I'm in the market to to sell it at cost. I do wonder if there's going to be like a black market for old old chargers and docks going forward. Like all the people who just desperately hold on to their iPhone eight minis. Like I'm re-gifting it all to family. Christmas is going to be really crummy for them go. and great for me. Before we're done with this, I want to make uh, the case for slow wireless chargers. I have the the older Pixel stand near my bed. Now, see, if you're one of those people who you want to go to sleep and stop using your phone, one way to do that, put the wireless charger out of your reach. Yes. So if you have to decide, am I going to put the phone on the stand and let it charge overnight so that it's not empty, and the battery isn't empty when I wake up? Or am I going to use the phone and maybe fall asleep with it in my hand, wake up with a phone on zero, and I don't have a fast charger to charge it up? That's good. It's that stress, it, it will it will improve your life. That's smart. Get yourself a slow charger. No, disagree. <laughs> I really like, I think the single most like aspirational thing I have done over the years is try to be a person who charges my phone outside of my bedroom. So many times I have tried to be this person. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a stack of like 
print books and magazines. And that's what I'm going to read before bed. I'm not going to sit here and like scroll Reddit until I fall asleep. And after like three days, inevitably, I'm like, how did my charger get right back into my room and next to my bed? And I'm scrolling Reddit again. Like, I don't remember ever putting it back in here. And yet it has arrived. And I've, I've, I swear I've tried this 25 times in my life. And I think it shows real personal growth that I have stopped trying. Like, I think it says, it says a lot about me as a person. Are you, I mean, you're not a very lazy person. So is it just putting it on the other side of the, because putting it on the, the charger on the other side of the room, that's enough for me. I'm yeah. that lazy that like, once it's on there, I'm not getting out of bed again. For me, it's not getting, it's not even the laziness factor. It's like the, the actual feeling of getting out of bed is so awful it's that like, words. it's the taking off the covers. Like even if my charger was right there, but I had to take off the covers to get it, I wouldn't do it. Sometimes there's one time where I did that, but like, I like army crawled across the floor with like the covers still on a single foot being like Ugh. i'm not technically out of bed yeah it worked it was fine it's fine it's very good uh but yeah i i suspect it's about to be a very 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 exciting like six months in the accessory world and the other thing i will say is this is just a psa to everyone now don't buy any accessories don't buy any accessories the day apple launches things don't buy any accessories the day it ships because what's going to happen is between now and christmas there's going to be this unbelievable glut of cool new stuff that comes out and it's going to happen really fast because all these companies are already making usb-c stuff so they're not going to have to get used to a completely new connector apple will have some weird tweak to it because it always does but there's going to be just a run of new things that all these companies are ready for. And so whatever you buy today or tomorrow or on September 12th or September 20, whatever, when the iPhone ships, there will be something in November that is better. And by Black Friday, it will cost $5. So Alex Kranz, stop <laughs> buying accessories. And like you were talking, I was like, actually, maybe it was good that I just bought all of this <laughs> stuff. Because we're not going to be buying. I'm like, I guess. I can't. I just bought a new dining room table and four like wireless chargers. I'm broke for the next year. Like it's great. There you go. There we go. All right, you go next, Krenz. What what did okay. you look up for Eva? So there was a lot of smart home stuff, ton of stuff. That's why my Jen was there and she was doing incredible work. A lot of stuff coming out of from Philips Hue, who historically just does lights. And if you like me are tired of spending so much money on Hue lights, there's a lot of competitors in the space now. There's a ton of other really good lights. I've got some like little candelabra lights. They're beautiful. They do like the pride flag. It doesn't actually look like the pride flag, but in July or in June, I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Is Hue still the best one though? I, I confess I'm slightly behind the times on my own personal smart home gear, but my read was always Hue is the best. It's also twice the price of everything else. Yeah, Hue. The, yeah, like like it's it's like the Apple deal for a long time, where you're like, well, sure, I'm paying twice the price, but I can smugly say it works. Can you say that, Richard? Fair. In your Windows machine, but that hurt. <laughs> can I say that about my Mac lately? No, but but yeah. So it typically just works, but it costs a ton more. But there's a there's so much stuff out now in the space that really does also just work. Like I was using, a, adding stuff both to Home Assistant and to to HomeKit, zero issue, like totally flawless. Even the stuff that some people complain about, like Nano Leaf, um, can sometimes be a little buggy. Works, and so Hue has a whole bunch of stuff. They've got track lighting now, 
which is big. That's exciting because oftentimes track lighting, you can't replace, like there's no little bulbs to go in there and replace that you probably would make if they could. So you have to get the whole thing. So that's cool. And they, they got into, to security cameras, which is a big deal for them. They've, they've just been a company that does lights and now they're doing security cameras, predictably expensive security cameras. Yeah. It's very telling to me that that's where they went, actually. That, like, I think it's it's pretty obvious that if you're a company that wants to do smart home stuff, Lights is the place to start, right? It is kind of the, it's like the gateway drug to the smart home for basically everybody. And it's very interesting to me that after all this time, the the Hue team looked around and was like, okay, what's the next thing we want to do? And decided it was security cameras. Not like other sensors or weird things for your garage door or things for your car. It's just... It, they're just like security cameras. Yeah. And, and these are very expensive. It's got end to end encryption. It currently does not work out of the box or won't work out of the box with Alexa and Google Assistant's home security camera integrations. So you won't be able to just like play it on your little Google speaker anywhere. That kind of sucks. It won't work with HomeKit until Matter starts supporting video for security cameras because that's the only way it's going to work with HomeKit. It won't work with like HomeKit's secure video platform, which isn't actually very good to begin with. So that's not the worst one. Like that one, you're like, oh, that's kind of sucks, but also I'm fine with that. Or at least I am. But it will work with Matter. And the most exciting part of all the Philips Hue news is it finally is going to start supporting Matter. It's pushing out an update next month. I am unreasonably excited. I've been spending this whole week being like, I cannot DM Jen, because she's very busy working, and all I want to do is be like, Jen, 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 this is such a good moment. <laughs> um, so I'm like being very patient and waiting until she comes back and gets over her hangover and and is having a good time. And then I'm going to um, just assail her with it. But that's exciting. Like, it's been ages since they promised Matter. And the stuff I use that where Matter works is wonderful. I'm in the future. I'm having the best day of my life. I've set up my entire system Oh, it doesn't work with matter? I hate everything and everyone. <laughs> and I want it all to die, especially my robot vacuum cleaner. Which there were also a bunch of at IFA. I, I just love that robot vacuums are becoming like an outrageously competitive space. There are so many good robot vacuums out there now. I love it. I, this was the first one I'd ever, like, I tried one 10 years ago and it was garbage. And I was like, I'm okay. I can just walk around with a vacuum cleaner like a normal person. And back this summer, somebody was like, oh, go get a robot vacuum cleaner. They're really good now. And this was a person that I trust. And so I was like, you, you generally aren't stupid. And I went <laughs> and I got one on sale. And I was like, oh, it's really good now. It, like, my house is just clean. That's yeah, And dude. with a dog, that's not common. So... <laughs> They're good now. And now there's a there the robot lawnmower industry is booming. I think Jen and John saw one of those. It's starting to boom. Yeah, there was she she was she saw a robot uh, lawnmower. The problem with robot lawnmowers is they generally have really crappy range and American lawns tend to be pretty big. Like they, 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 there's a lot of space. There's a lot of stuff going on in them. And these weren't doing it very well. They're really meant for those little tiny like postage stamp size lawns in Europe. And so this can do like half an acre, which I would have loved at the age of 13 when I had to hop on the riding lawnmower and like mow the front and the backyard and then the garden. It was the worst time of my life. My family still talks about how much I complained about it. This would have been amazing. 
I would have like been campaigning for it immediately. So I'm so excited. All you kids out there listening, I know there's a lot of 13 year olds that listen to the Verge cast. And I know you're very excited about this. Start campaigning now. This is a great Christmas gift for you. Probably not. Your parents will not buy it because it's like $2,000. But aspirational, aspirational. Yeah, everybody talks about how like kids are not going to grow up and learn how to drive and they're going to miss like a key part of life. And I just feel like if if your parents never force you to mow the lawn, like you, you've you've missed something. Yeah, you really have. It's like 111 degrees and you have a push mower that barely works. And they're like, we shut up, we're going to pay you $1. Go mow for five hours, David, and then rake all the leaves. It's fine. My childhood is fine. I hated um, the leaves. It's fine. That's the worst. Uh, the leaves. Look, man, yeah. spending, spending 45 minutes trying to get that thing to start is character building. <laughs> That's exactly it, right. You yeah. feel like you're, you're a mechanic afterwards. Like when somebody's car breaks down, you're like, hold up. I've jump started a lawnmower. I think I can help. <laughs> you can't. It doesn't work that way. Is there a thing I can pull on really hard and hope that starts it? <laughs> All right. The last thing from Eva, which I should just run through real fast, was there were a few headphone and speaker announcements, but a couple were actually very cool. So I just want to basically call out two. One is uh, new Jabra headphones. They're called the Elite 10s and the Elite 8s. They're basically new wireless earbuds. I think Jabra in general does not get the shine it deserves in the headphone space. Everybody talks about AirPods and Pixel Buds and Galaxy Buds and kind of all the stuff that's like bundled with devices. Jabra does a really good job of making just like very good headphones that work with everything. It supports like all of the open standards it can. It has really good noise cancellation. The mics tend to be pretty good. The battery life is pretty good. The audio is good. Yeah, like they're very good headphones. But they're big. They sit like if you have tiny ear canals. That's that's why I don't use them. My ear canals are too small. So that's actually one of the things that I think is exciting about these new ones. Um, the Elite 10s, which are the higher end one, I think they're 250 bucks. Mm -hmm. They have a like semi-open design, which in theory should help with that feeling of being sort of smushed in your ear. Personally, yeah. I end up using very few of those kind of closed ear headphones because I get the same thing. Like my ear canals start to hurt after a while if I yeah. listen to those. Like I got the... Sony link buds and they caught they like cause pain or they fall out. I love that pain that like you're like, oh, it fits so good. Agony, agony, agony. Oh, yeah. But this Taylor sounds lovely. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah. But I like after 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose both of my ears. Like, this is cool. Just, and they feel like they're bleeding. Yeah. But so the Elite 10s seem cool, sound great. They have six mics. I think uh, the, the audio quality should be good. They're supposedly one of the best they've that Jabra's ever made. And then there's the Elite 8. Uh, I think it's technically called the Elite 8 Active that are IP68 rated, which is like more or less everything you would need as a person. Yeah, you can get disgusting. Yeah, exactly. It's like you can throw it in the wash and they'll come out fine. And they're just super, super rugged. And personally, like I lost a pair of AirPods because I got caught in a rainstorm. Uh, I lost another pair of AirPods because I dropped one of them in a puddle and then put it back in the charger and it ruined everything, which if you're wondering, yes, it was stupid, but this is the life I lead. You had to charge it. Yeah. And so just I like blew on it a bunch of times and then put it back in the case. And then about 45 minutes later, it was like, that was the dumbest thing I could have possibly done. But now here we are. But so the idea of like a super ruggedized pair of pretty good headphones, uh, I actually sound very exciting. But they both do wireless charging. They both do multi-point Bluetooth. They both do the mono mode. So you can just wear one earbud at a time. They just like have all the features. And I think like in general, if you're shopping for wireless headphones, most people don't think of Jabra uh, and you should. But the other thing 
which I think is much more exciting, is this new JBL, uh, I think it's called the Authentics Speaker. The Ooh, Authentics. The, they look nice. They do, right? The 200, the 300, and the 400. They're yeah. all stupid expensive. They're like anywhere from 330 to $700 for a Bluetooth speaker, which is preposterous. Can't put a price on fashion. But not only are they great looking, they are. They have this like cool sort of fabric-y retro thing going on, but they also have Alexa and Google Assistant in one device, and it can hear both wake words at the same time. You don't have to do the Sonos thing where in setup, you pick which one you want to use. You can use both, and you can tell it with one to start the music and with the other to stop the music. And they found some ways in which that gets weird. Like if you start a timer with Alexa and then you try to use Google to stop the timer, that doesn't quite work. But it worked if the timer was going off. But if you like started a timer and then you're like, oh, no, I didn't want to do that timer. And oh, you try to tell it to stop. Yeah. John, like, I guess he got ac- he got to play with one and apparently just had a whole list of ways he was going to screw with this thing. I love it. And just went through his whole list. He chronicled it all in his piece. And it, I was just like, yeah, yeah. just like chanting as I read it. It was great. Yeah. His piece is really great. And he uh, also he asked Google like, should I take this as the beginning of a trend? Is this going to actually be the sort of interoperable voice assistant world we've been wanting to live in? And the Google representative was sort of sketchy about it. And so who knows? And then ran away fleeing. Yeah, I mean, basically. But the at least this proves that like this is a thing that can be done. And here's hoping that it's not just on this one set of expensive JBL speakers. Do you think Sonos is going to do it at some point? Like a good version? I think at this point, Sonos and Google are at such odds that I would be surprised if Google was interested in playing along with Sonos. They would rather just get rid of it entirely if it would piss off. But like, could the next UE boom that I buy, because I'm inevitably going to buy 500 more of those in my life, could that have both? That would be awesome. Like the, the speaker world is big and wide. And imagine if you could have them with the Dolby stuff that worked all over your house. And you could talk to each individual one with whatever voice assistant you wanted. Like, how is that not the world we live in? This is the world we should live in. That's the future. That's what I want. That's the interoperable future I want. Yeah. I just want to yell whatever I want at my speakers and they have to listen. I do not want to do that. I don't want to talk to my speakers (laughs) ever about anything. But I do love these. They look incredible. Like, if you remember how speakers looked, those old 70s and 80s speakers, you, you do have to look at these. Finally, someone's bringing that back. I don't know why they didn't before. But they are now, and I like it. Yeah, it's based on the L100s, right, from the 70s. Yeah, after like two decades of trying to make speakers look like spaceships, now we're back to making them look like speakers, and it makes me very happy. Like these, yeah, these look great. The one has a handle on it, which is basically just to remind you, like, yes, you can pick this thing up. It's allowed. They have they have actual knobs for all of the different levels. It's just wonderful. Like, what a world. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying that you should do cocaine off of these speakers, but, like, if you wanted to. If you yeah. wanted to. Yeah, they, they've got some good, there's some good flat spaces there for a nice a nice line. We don't endorse cocaine on the Vergecast. All right, well, now that we've gone well and fully off the rails, it is time to end the Vergecast. <laughs> Just in case this is the last episode you ever listened to, this is what I want to leave you with. <laughs> it's snowing somewhere. <laughs> All right. A lot of good stuff on the site this week. We had the most recent piece in our big series investigating the effect of Google in the world. Ryan Broderick wrote a really great piece called The End of the Googleverse. Really interesting. It's full of like old internet heads reminiscing on like the weird things people used to do with Google in the early 2000s. It's really fun. Our video team and our producer, Andrew Marino, made an amazing video with 
one of those heads that does binaural audio and noise canceling headphones to like really test how good noise canceling is. It's a wild video with like lots of graphs that I didn't understand and tons of interesting people and Andrew sweating to death on a summer in New York City. It's a really great video. Uh, Andrew also did another piece on the button of the month about a USB button. Uh, that helped people win Jeopardy. It's delightful, and I want one just to like mute and unmute my microphone now. I have no use for it, but I want it. I, I want one real bad. The latest Land of the Giants episode is out. It's about Tesla in China. It's very good. That whole season has been really great. Like Land of the Giants is always really great, but I actually think this might be my favorite season we've ever done. It's really good. Everybody just go listen to it. We are going to be off next Wednesday because it's Labor Day, but then we're going to be back next Friday. We're going to have more Apple to talk about. Like I said, there is just a massive tidal wave of gadgets and tech news coming in the next three months. So we're going to be doing a ton. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you then. Rock and roll. And that's a wrap for VergeCast this week. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at vergecast at theverge.com. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters. That's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.